<laughs> we're here. We're back. We're clapped in. We're clapped in. Oh, man. We're back. Hi, yeah. Yusuf. Hi, Tavit. How you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good. I am excited to record this episode. Oh, I'm, my gosh. I'm excited that we're in a rhythm, you know, like didn't let too much time pass before since the last time. <laughs> For all hungry listeners, I actually got a couple of messages from people who like forgot they were subscribed hell yeah hell yeah it's hilarious it's almost like a a bit of like a nostalgic kick like you know they're like oh yeah like totally forgot you were doing this thing i know and i hadn't talked to them in a while it was great like old co-workers um friends who i'd reconnected with since moving upstate um and who were just like oh yeah like i've been listening to your stuff for years and i was like damn that is so nice and in the new context of like being kind of new neighbors with them yeah yeah and i cannot i like I wanted to like not do this before the recording, but dude, I'm so excited that we're doing this again. Like, uh-huh. I know it's like you know once a monthish thing, but just the ability to like drive out here and <laughs> see you in your new space and just have this thing that we can feed again, yes. this time that we can spend together. It's really exciting for me, man. Yeah, and I I, re- I realized since last time, I, just, I mean, it definitely feels different, like what we're doing than what I do elsewhere, like you know, writing or whatever. Um, this has its own quality just because of our, our respective perspectives yeah. and our our history talking about games like it definitely i missed that feeling of like just coming up with like creative ideas that i had not thought of elsewhere yeah um, it's so cool when you collaborate with different people like yeah how the chemistry mm-hmm. of those two like worldviews and ideas just like produce completely unique weird stuff yeah it's cool yeah. i like it me too but um, what have you been playing is what I was going to say next. Oh, okay. So like other than... So the game... Should we say game of the hour? Oh, yeah. Right? I mean, it's on the... Oh, we'll whatever. be discussing We're it. We're going to be talking yeah. about Quake, the remaster. software. Yep. Uh, but other than Quake, I've started playing Eastward, uh, mm-hmm. which, you know, I, it's... I'm really early hours, like three, four hours in. Um, I've been playing the Tony Hawk remaster. Oh. Just been in the remaster <laughs> mode since Quake. The sure. Tony Hawk 1 and 2 also on Switch. I basically only have time to what well, actually only have time to play switch except on a lark redownloaded uh repurchased i guess grand theft auto 5 okay or something like i, I don't yeah. know what it was with the like exact train of ideas <laughs> that led me to redownload that i never played the ps4 version i'm still on ps4 i haven't done the ps5 thing. sure so I'd only ever played it on PS3 when it came out. I'm like, I guess it was just the remaster train. I guess it was just like... Is it a remaster, technically? It's like a, they added like the first person view. The graphics uh, got like an upgrade. Oh, I see, I'm I really see. probably not going to like play it all the way through again. I think I just wanted to be chased by cops. Like I was like needing just... It's like a very a comforting quick, feeling. Yeah, like the GTA, like getting up to four Ironically. stars, five stars and like surviving as long as you can yeah. by hook or by crook is like mm-hmm. a game in and of itself. So... Shooting a helicopter with a rocket launcher. Exactly. Like, and you can like <laughs> swap for so long until the game's just like, no, we're booting you right now. Like, yeah. You're you cannot lurk on us. We're gonna kill you. Nice. Um, but yeah, I I guess it's just been a weird kick, other than Eastward, of like kind of revisiting old flames or mm-hmm. whatever. You know. How has the experience been? It's been really good. Um, I, like I said, I don't think I'm gonna like replay GTA Five all the way through, and it's like so. It, it's so funny, like with time you know all of your heroes fade or whatever and i was never a huge grand theft auto like head um but it's definitely almost like more problematic now than when i first ingested it Mm -hmm. by your side (laughs) um you know warts and all but like it's just a very problematic franchise and a very problematic game from like a in fiction mode and the gameplay is so much fun and it's like putting on a you know like riding a bike or like Mm. an old glove or whatever but Mm. um 
Hmm. Never played Tony Hawk 1 and 2 when I was like a kid. So jumping into that and being like, I'm actually learning how to skateboard. No, I'm not very good at it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, I, it's been good. Nostalgia kick yeah. is kind of that's nice. Probably, that's probably for the best for Tony Hawk because I heard that the remake was not up to the original, but you've never played the original. I've so never played the original. This is I've a great skating game yeah. that I've never heard of before. Tony Hawk, huh? Who's I this have, Tony Yeah, guy? who's this Tony Hawk? He looks really old to be a skateboarder. I hope he doesn't yeah. like bust his knees or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I hear it. What? He's still skateboarding? He's still skateboarding. That's cool. Yeah, I guess he is. I mean, if I were Tony Hawk, man. He is technically still skateboarding. He's still skateboarding. Yeah. But yeah, no, it's been good. It's been... Um, yeah, it's been kind of on theme for this episode, playing a whole bunch mm-hmm. of stuff that I've, I've played. Before. Yeah, you've been trying to kind of create the context, yeah. the wider context <laughs> of the remake. How about you? What have you been playing? Um, yeah, so I I mentioned before to you before the episode, I, I got a PS5, mm-hmm. um, which is big news since last time we recorded. My brother, uh, shout out to him if he's listening, was <laughs> awesome and got me one from his job. Amazing. Has, it's really the only way he can do it. The friend at the store or the yeah, brother the at brother the store. The family, it's like the always. nepotism. That's how I got like Metal Gear Solid yeah. 4 like three days before street date. Yeah. I was like, friend to store. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's like, it's um, a really, <clears throat> no, it's like, I didn't think I was going to get it for a while, um, but... I realized I probably should try and get it since I write about games. <laughs> you do. And we want to, you know, I like to play games. Honestly, it was because I wanted to play Destiny faster. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> okay, so it's changed your Destiny game? <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit of a selfish reason. Um, but it makes a big difference. So, yeah, I've been playing Destiny 2 on and off forever. Right, and it's your forever game. It really is. And I jumped back into it recently, maybe a few months ago, and, and uh, the PS4 really is starting to chug <laughs> On, on that game in particular, I think they're starting to abandon it. Um, so I was, feel, I was feeling that. Yeah. And I and so I decided I needed to upgrade and and you know play the new stuff that's out. So but before that, before I play all of that, I need to catch up my destiny now. Now that I can play it at full <laughs> resolution, now that you have a head, full frame rate, you have a head start on everybody else. Literally, I, like before, I couldn't even see my character's arms. Oh my gosh. <laughs> like sometimes it would load into a level and it would just be like a shimmering, like like placeholder or like mid teleport texture and that has to throw off your entire almost like yeah um, you can't aim your gun if you can't see it it's yeah like, this like invisible warpy thing video game like proprioception you're like <laughs> yeah. my arms are missing like yeah. something's off it's like it, your inner yeah. ear has a problem you're really like a dying old robot like the ps4 <laughs> oh, is just like i'm trying <laughs> meanwhile that's I'm like trying. <laughs> i played a ps4 and like compared to the switch where i had logged uh-huh. like 90 percent of my yeah. i'm like i'm playing with power now yeah, i'm playing yeah, with yeah. superpower exactly uh, i'm an old head just wait till you try the PS4. It's pretty nice. It's that nice mm, early, oh, early uh, part of the of the of the um, console generation. Oh, that's right. If I play the PS5, everything smell. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> you know, you, it's like getting a new car. Yep. Literally, it looks like a shitty new car. Like <laughs> a futuristic concept of a of a Sid Meier, a Sid Mead card. Yep. I've definitely like res- resigned myself to not playing the PS5. Yeah. I don't have a friend in a store. I don't have a brother in a store. Um, and I also, like, don't have a pressing, like, big console game to really... It always was around the Metal Gear Solid release that I'd, like, upgrade console. Uh-huh. Um, that was always my modus operandi. I think we probably covered covered this, like, many years ago in a previous episode. But I would, like, upgrade consoles on, like, big new Metal Gear Solid releases. Mm-hmm. Um, which is why the last one was such a huge disappointment. But, um, yeah, I just don't have that pressing, like, 
fanboy franchise fanboy need right now and the ps5 looks amazing i want to like hold the controller and try that haptic stuff but like there's just no reason for me yeah yeah i feel you but you need that reason other than destiny anything else i've also been playing death loop uh mm-hmm. which has actually has a nice uh interplay with the controller there because it has the haptic feedback i can't even describe it because it, it's so interesting like it feels so interesting like it doesn't feel like you're holding a controller it feels like you are like holding some force like like the way that it's like the feedback i mean you feel like you're holding a controller but you don't feel like you're interacting with this mechanical um device of like the traditional haptic feedback oh, cool. where you're like okay vibrate uh in a circle i know what you're doing like this is like i don't know what it's even doing oh cool um so it's that's really cool i mean i can't undersell it i guess um but yeah death loop is from pretty early on, but so far so good. I, I mean, I re- I am a huge, huge fan of the Dishonored oh, series. Oh, we know. Uh, if you've listened all to all seventeen of our listeners you know, know previous episodes. And Yusuf, you like Arcane Studios know, games? Yeah. Do tell. I know. Let me tell you about Arcane. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we never actually never covered Prey. It probably happened like during. I started playing Prey. I could. I guess it, it might be a future episode. I might want to go back to that. It's been right. a bit. All right. Um, but yeah, it's. I'm a huge fan of their method and their their worlds and their um, uh, the way they build these games and the movement systems. Like this feels very, it feels like coming home, you know, like nice. uh, and moving the character around. You're like, you know, like, I'm like, I see a roof over there. I know I can just double jump up to that roof. And That's I'm my like, ledge. Yeah, I got the ledges. <laughs> but it's actually like the levels are, they really stepped up their level design game, obviously. And it's, it doesn't feel like, that dichotomy in like the Dishonored games in some ways of that walk on the ground, walk on the ledge. Like, oh yeah. There is like an element of like, think, you know, you're going up to ledges more naturally or there's like multiple levels for every, uh, multiple um, like altitudes. Like, so there's different, like um, the levels just um, like intertwine in really interesting ways. And allows, Sounds like even like denser verticality or more free yeah, flowing verticality. They're smaller levels. Be, because, oh. I think because like it's, um, broken up into different chunks um, and meant to be kind of really understood and, and investigated. Yeah. They're actually, they're much smaller than a lot of the Dishonored levels. Like you, you're not really navigating a city as much as like a neighborhood in, a, in an island. Interesting, because that makes a lot of sense to me. I've only watched like the sort of like industry, mm-hmm. like video review cycle for Deathloop. So I like, yeah. I know enough about the core mechanics and having played Dishonored and bits of prey and thief and stuff like i get arcane's design modus operandi and the immersive yeah. sim so like i i think i know what you're talking about mm-hmm. um and it's interesting to think because like even in the sort of in the title death loop you have that sort of commitment to the loop and the like you know roguelike kind of looping structure of what's going on or the reset structure i mm-hmm. guess of you know video games what's interesting is like you're saying also the levels are smaller it makes a lot of sense to me because like the arcane games that we've referenced and played before are all very linear plot-driven experiences sure, exactly. that do set you up with like, you know, infiltrate or exfiltrate, mm-hmm. infiltrate and assassinate, yeah. you know, assassinate and exfiltrate, like yeah. whatever. Yeah. Um, and those, multiple waypoints. Yeah, and yeah. they require kind of a a push pull of like, you know, closed off tunnel linear sections where you like have to get through mm-hmm. to access like those like hub points that were like. The masquerade party, yeah, or the like avenue that opens up into what was a marketplace before these like fascist thugs arrived or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, it makes sense then that even having not played it, Death Loop by a looping structure would be more like denser, kind mm-hmm. of Swiss cheesy, but smaller. 
like level structure that you're yeah. you're meant to like kind of optimize through instead of just like experience linearly as you push forward to the end of the plot, which is why right. I'll probably never play it. Because <laughs> ask me to optimize as a player and I'm like, ask no. Like I ask you to give me my next game. Like, I just want it like you only live once, man. Tell me all the stories. Okay. I don't like okay. my, Oh man, I don't I feel like I'm at a point in my life where I just like I don't need to be great anything uh-huh i don't want to be great at anything yeah yeah and that's why death loop is not on got you got you no, i'm like guarding against us having to do that as a uh, podcast yeah, episode yeah. i'm throwing that out there putting on the record yeah yeah like well, yeah. you know slide in my dms and tell me i'm right please <laughs> you are entitled to escape any number of video games you want we are nearly 40 it's we, true, it's we, true. we can't just be playing video games yeah like, am i gonna on. give 30 hours to this or <laughs> we am can't I just be starting new father, games you know? no exactly <laughs> Um, I mean, in fairness, I think it definitely, obviously I'm not far into it, but it's like, there's a lot less pressure that Dishonored has in terms of like the, the NPC reaction, you know, oh, Dishonored, cool. you get found out you're kind of fucked unless That's you true. kind of That's run true. away. And in this one, like the NPCs are just like, frankly, dumber. Um, and, uh, they're like on their loop. They are, um, they're just like meant more as like pins to be knocked over uh, because it really feel like feels like the your character is just like outrageous, you know, mm-hmm. in terms of their ability to move around and, and access things. Um, and so like they are not as like scary or frightening as like the guards in Dishonored. And uh, you could just like, at least in the early stages, I'm just like, I got a machete and they have those surprise frames where if you jump into a group, they, they, they take a second to be like, oh, for like, you know, gathering critical. themselves. Yeah. You need gives you lots seconds. of just like, yeah. <laughs> you're like, dum, 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 slice, 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 uh, excuse me. And you're just yeah. like slicing. Like they're so uh, bad at reacting quickly. It's the seconds between the MG yeah. at the Metal Gear Solid, like, brink, like exactly. exclamation yeah. point. And when yeah, the like, yeah. music Boop. kicks in, yeah. it's like, dun, 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 dun. Yeah, exactly. It's headshots. All, that is exactly. Three headshots. Yeah, I feel like it, it really is that that um, style, that Metal Gear style of oh, stealth, where it's okay. like, yes, stealth, but ultimately you're just going, going through killing everybody. Or and you, like you're cycling through like phases of attention or phases of alarm. Not yeah. So like they see you and the whole level. Comes yeah, exactly. There's like a call, calling over. reinforcements yeah. kind of situation. I mean, it has some Far Cry elements as well, like the, the Far Cry 3s through 10s or whatever, how many Far Cry <laughs> 17, there are. are they, they all have the same model. Yeah. Where are like we in you, Nicaragua yet? Like what's going on? You invade the base. And yeah, you invade kill, the base. Yeah, you, you take it over. But um, yeah, I think, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm very curious to how it continues and how it develops like i haven't gotten any big powers yet or i haven't fought any like human invaders yet mm. which i'm curious about how that goes yeah um that has like that dark souls invading element yes. um, where you can be playing your single player game and just get invaded by like uh some jerk who wants to like <laughs> interrupt but it's the way they uh, catch it narratively is super fun like yeah. because the antagonist of the game like is uh, this woman in the island who's like kind of your main antagonist, she was betrayed by you, and then so there's a constant tit for tat. Love it. But um, whenever she'll invade, but then sometimes like instead of her, it'll be a person. Oh, inhabiting her character. Yes. Cool. Um, nice. Kind of like the Assassin's Creed Brotherhood thing where you're kind of fighting. I don't know if you ever played that, but you have, it has a multiplayer mode where you can like fight other assassins. Cool. Um, and but they could also blend into the crowd and then look like normal NPCs. Well, I have not played Brotherhood, but I think one of the weirdest things that happened in the pandemic uh-huh. was that I loved, I played and loved Assassin's Creed Odyssey uh-huh. so much. 
Oh, yeah. It was just, I guess I just needed to be in Greece (laughs) for a while. And that is a very easy stealth. (laughs) It was like, it was very easy. It was very easy, everything. I think I finally like boiled down Assassin's Creed current, like, you know, version of that franchise is like, it's like the easy listening station. Yeah. Like, I'm getting older. The leaves are changing. Sometimes I just want to sit around and like flow, Mm -hmm. like enter the video game flow state. And the Assassin's Creed, like, Origins Odyssey. I haven't played. I played a little bit of Origins after I played Odyssey because I loved Odyssey so much. Yeah. Like, you know, sixty hours, seventy hours into Odyssey, I just like I would turn the game on and be like, I'm in it. I'm mm-hmm. in the flow. What's the nearest waypoint or mission icon? Let me just do that to warm up, mm-hmm. and then let me like set a point to a beautiful place <laughs> and like flow my ass over there. Yeah, and, like it was just like. Cool. There's, there's, like, yeah. Video games as narcotics, basically. Yeah, there's no ten- there's like a tension. There's no tension. Or it's like Actually, a very pleasing no, amount yeah. of tension. It's a very well regulated amount of tension. Yeah. It's as if they took that director feature from the Left for Dead franchise that yeah. like never lets you fully rest mm-hmm. and like turn the algorithm around. It's like you're always powerful. Mm-hmm. There's always like a little test to your power. Yeah. And like a god can bleed, but a god can never die. <laughs> yes. You know? There you perfect. Go. So yeah. you can always have that moment where you're like, my cheek? Yeah, you've glanced me, You've glanced me, exactly. <laughs> you've glanced me, Socrates. <laughs> like, anyway, sorry, sorry. Yeah, tangent, yeah. tangent. Um, yeah, we'll see. I, I, I wonder if Death Loop will have some of that where it's like, you know, I think it is extremely polished as a game. I'm um, sure. So, mm-hmm. and more, like, I think Dishonored, a lot of people, lot, I think they heard the complaints of, like, kind of not being as directed in their gameplay. Um, so you can see that they're trying to create less tension less mm. um frustration oh man now i so. might have to put... i'll let you know, you I'll let you know. To... okay so slide into usf dm <laughs> if our next episode should be dead. arcane i'm available for pr and marketing <laughs> you just sold one you just sold one i got a friend at a store guys let me tell you the store is his living room yeah oh man well should we should we turn to the game i think we hour? should All i right. think we should so, I, so... I know you got a lot to say oh my god about well, this I, hope, I hope you got something to say too. i'm all ears well it's wild because like quake i i never i was a doom kid all right so the game of the hour is 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 quake uh the remaster of quake that was released on all platforms i believe um and i'm playing it on switch i played it on switch Mm -hmm. uh with the gyro controls it's by id software the game was originally released in 1996 it's kind of the like you know the height of the like glorification of this like heralded um, you know, duo in video games development, John Carmack uh, and John Romero. Tony uh, Jones. John, yeah, John, John, John. The, the saga of John and John, and <laughs> yeah. maybe soon Paul as well. Oh. And I'll, I'll, I'll enter a Paul into this equation okay. as well as I have a personal story to share. But yeah, John Carmack and John Romero, uh, who were, you know, instrumental in bringing this like Texas developer id to the world stage with Doom, right? Like this massively transformative game that like essentially took wolf the the sort of basic formula they were trotting out in wolfenstein and brought it to like a mass market level that wolf this is doom that i'm talking about like doom like exploded the doors open on the fps genre even more than the dos game wolfenstein and the dos game doom and doom 2 just like even further solidified them as the like heralds of this genre that they helped birth and Doom 2, I think, still, and the Doom franchise still stands as the sort of monolith in there, in AIDS sort of camp. But Quake, you know, released in 96, uh, was the essentially the first, like, rendered in-engine 3D shooter. And it was 
I missed it. <laughs> I missed it when I was a kid. Like, it I kind of blew right over my head. Mm. Um, you know, we were at uh, Fieldston, or, yeah, we were at Fieldston yeah. Lower, right? We were in like, middle yeah. school or yeah. whatever, mm-hmm. 96, um, together. And, you know, kids were putting Quake into all the computers at the computer lab and rocking each other's socks at um, multiplayer. Mm-hmm. So when like a bunch of friends had a free period together and they were like down with the computer lab not having a class, like they would let them play this game. And I remember being so excited because I loved Doom and I went into the computer lab to like try to be cool with the nerds and like loved it. And I was rocked dude. Like I had my <laughs> ass handed to me by dudes who were like, not even listening to like black metal. There was something like Dave Matthews band in there. <laughs> shit. Like while they were like crashing to me and like no scoping me or whatever. I don't even yeah. know shooter stuff. But like, you know, rocket jumping. The yeah. the basic principles of the language of competitive first person shooters in a movement and competitive way, mm-hmm. like competitive aspect, like the game of it was forged, I think, in those years after Quake. I mean Quake Three Arena mm-hmm. is still like considered to be one of the greatest you know multiplayer shooters of all time kind of birthed that culture so we're talking about quake yeah. the remaster um yeah it's huge where do we start man how did you did um, you enjoy it well i'll talk about the remaster um sure. yeah i played it on the pc um but yeah i mean it i was trying to remember if, it, if, it, if that's how it felt when i played it okay, on a time. computer like you know d- decades ago and it didn't like because i wasn't like I just was like, was the mouse this fast before? I don't even remember. I just remember it being a lot harder to control. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, I had it. I, I got it for my PC, and I, I was playing it that way. Um, and yeah, I mean, uh, as a remaster, I think it's really, really admirable. I think what they did was essentially like upscale it. Yeah. Uh, not even upscale it. It's like this upscaled with the, with the textures looking exactly the same. Yeah, like they, and they have a lot pixel of perfect toggles to bring it right back down downscale yeah yeah but it, it feels very true to the original yes. um and it feels like it's a re, like in a uh it's like a remaster in the way it, that a film like a you know a reprint of a film is is like a, a restoration a restoration yeah. um of old real yes. onto like modern like you know digital like it, that's where you feel like you're like okay you, yeah you just sharpened this and you made this bigger for my screen and um, but otherwise, I'm playing Quake. Like I'm moving the same way I moved before. I'm shooting the same way. So, um, as a remaster, I, I almost was double checking to make sure that it was the game I was supposed to play and not the original. Like I mean, it wouldn't in comparison to say like you know the Halo remaster, yes. where they updated a ton of the textures. I mean, you could always go back, but the new version is very different. Like I mean, they basically reimagined what they wanted the textures to be. Um, I don't think it was actually Bungie who did it. I think it was um, another company, maybe probably well, 343 or Microsoft. Yeah, whoever. Yeah. yeah, the remnants of Bungie turned um, into But it was, in some ways, they almost changed the lighting. Like, you know, it, it felt like, um, it to me, it really felt like the remaster of that Jesus painting when we made it look like an okay. uh, ugly sphere. We've really, we've missed a lot of gems, haven't yeah, we? Yeah. Um, in the years we haven't been podcasting. Indeed, there's so many gems. There's so um, many gems. But yeah, it was not... I thought they like kind of took too much artistic license, like mm-hmm. in a way that. Now I'm okay with that happening, like if you're actually growing it, but it felt like they were basically saying like, you know, you made this for this generation for this time. We're gonna make this for this exact like, or maybe like three years, five years ago, like crappy Xbox shooter, like with ugly textures that don't match each other. Like we're going yep. to like update it to the modern time in like the worst way. Like yeah. we're not gonna like have any imagination. We're just going to like change the aesthetic to like this year. 
I oh plug gosh, in this year totally. system, almost like the computer algorithm thinking through. Like you're like, let me let me collect all the images from this year and do like machine learning and like make textures. Well, I want to I want to like for you know <laughs> to bring us back to '96 in yeah. terms of I want to like double click on something that you said, please, uh, which is like you know you you basically were talking about like film restoration the mm. way this like almost algorithmically recreating that really struck on a tension that I was feeling. And then earlier you just talked about. Um, not remembering, not feeling that the game played in the same way as mm -hmm. it played when we sure. were kids in mm -hmm. middle school. I had the same feeling, and it actually lit up some tensions in me, good tensions about like, what is, what is, how do games get preserved mm -hmm. uh, versus how do they get restored? Because I mean, digital preservation is such a really important kind of topic. Uh, just in the way we talk about art preservation or architectural preservation or the preservation of like, you know, protected buildings and spaces in the world, you know, we are creating and, and more and more living in a digital world. Uh, and we have been for decades um, since we were kids. And to think about like, you know, one version of this remaster uh, is the one that we have and it's beautiful and it plays so well and it like adds in gyro controls platform specifically like for the switch and doesn't drop a frame and the load times are incredibly fast and to me it actually had this wild effect of me being like I don't remember this game being so easy not easy like it was an easy game by by <laughs> by my admission I was playing on normal difficulty sure. and Same. I died a lot yeah. But it was a game of pattern remembrance and pattern recognition and having the right tool for the right enemy combination and moving to a space that, that, that was designed and moving through a design space that had a finite amount of options compared to like a completely open playfield of Metal Gear Solid style stealth, you know, ons and off triggers and levels and shit. So mm -hmm. I remember it was more difficult because probably the hardware that I was playing it on was not allowing the game to load instantly between my deaths. I'd have to wait 30 seconds to a minute between tries. That changes the relationship between the player and their short-term memory and pattern recognition of a thing they just got killed by. Mm -hmm. In this version, I'm like right back in it. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, left corridor, these three enemies, right corridor, these two <laughs> enemies, they drop this ammo, I'm going right. Like in my younger learning the medium of games ass mind, playing the first 3D polygonally rendered shooter, I wasn't as good as a player and my hardware wasn't as good as a machine. And so it created a more difficult experience of traversing this game. This time around, I'm like pixel perfect, not a drop frame, gyro controls to help like me aim even faster, like replicating almost a mouse feel on mm -hmm. a console. Mm -hmm. Man, I like, I'm proud to say I rocked <laughs> I rocked my 1996 year old like 13 yeah. year old ass. And quick I <laughs> should have been I could have been a contender you said yeah. if I had a switch. But it does yeah. there's a tension there because that's not preservation. Mm -hmm. That's restoration. That's remaster. That's yeah. saying I'm going to bring the stucco and preserve it and bring it like into its full glory into a modern medium. Mm. Like mm -hmm. I'm gonna change it to this like durable, I mean, I'm not an art historian, so I'm butchering. Someone sure. slide into my DMs and tell me I'm wrong. Mm -hmm. Basically what I'm saying is like, could there have been a mode where they essentially re-rendered the game out at whatever the most, the highest selling mid to low grade PC <laughs> of 1990, like what impact presario or whatever the fuck it was, mm. like, Render it as if it would have played on that with the stock graphics card as a mode. I yeah. challenge thee. <laughs> like future digital yeah. remasters. Because yeah. like 
It's it a different game. basically an emulator of an old computer. It had yeah. a different game feel. Yeah. Like, I played it differently. Yeah. I had to, like, wait between rounds. I mean, it's wild to me. is like, um, just talking about Destiny. Um, yeah, right. That upgrade Thinking the about the upgrade. Like, I think it's... It is endemic to games as software that there is this third layer, this layer between the the audience and the artist, you know, as there is for in a lot of mediums, but in games, it's so like variable, just depending on the hardware that is presenting it. Like with film, you have one or two, three ways to show it. In games, you have uncountless ways to exactly. to um, formulate that system. And even um, with consoles, which are very controlled, um, what des- what version of Destiny is the is the real version? I'm sure Bungie would like us to remember this new version where everything works right. Um, and the, I mean, it's a game that's almost like self-erasing. Like, oh my god! Yeah. Um, for example, uh, they it's been around for maybe four or five years. You can't even play the first year content anymore. It's actually gone from the game. Like if you start open the game now and it updates and connects to online, you're playing um, something that isn't the isn't that all the same game. Like it's literally changing and ephemeral. So it's interesting seeing games go in this direction. It's almost like buying more into their software uh, and hardware roots, like yeah. where there's kind of embracing the fact that they are interactive software and that they are um, this medium that is really, I mean, there's, there's a code, there's script, but there's just always an understanding that like there's no solid form. Um, and in, I mean, not, now that I'm working in games, obviously, um, like I've been at this game company Glow Up for a few months and like getting to see the process, it really feels like it's never done. It's only like you're done working on it. <laughs> like it has that feeling of it being like this amorphous um, shape that like you really hope gets interpreted correctly by the lens through which it's being viewed. Well, it's interesting too, because I think that this, I don't think you're, I don't think that the concept that you're unpacking only moves backwards through time. Mm-hmm. I also think it moves forward through time in terms of expectation. Mm. And I think that like, if we were to take a look at video game reviews that cite issues like frame rate, frame rate and like performance on a, you know, gaming rig, even back to the 90s, let's say, and you read those reviews and you saw them, and I know points are meaningless in mm-hmm. rating review structure. I'm talking about like, you know, the industry of reviews as a product. Yeah. Like they rate games that way. And if you look at how many points may have been deducted from games at launch that did not perform well what how would we look looking backwards is one thing but i think we have this interesting um proof that this very same concept of quality's relationship through and in in our you know medium of games the the hardware having a relationship to software it also moves forward there's a current game that's sitting on the market right now for sale that is proof that this is also moving forward in time and that's cyberpunk Mm -hmm. you can release a broken game if the expectation of the consumer is, it will be done three years after its launch. Mm-hmm. Like based on The Witcher 3, yeah. like I was lucky enough to play that game when it was on the like greatest hits, like complete edition yeah. for 20 bucks and it was done. And like I put the disc in and waited overnight for the patch to install, like download and install. Cause it was like, that's the real game. The disc was the object we sold to like work on it for the next three years, yeah, you know? And it happens over and over again, but like cyberpunk is getting lambasted to some degree, but also like not because the expectation was set correctly. And the people who fuel the core of that 
company's imagination layer and like economy layer are going to buy it no matter what. Mm. And they have like weapons, great computers. They're probably all Bitcoin miners. Who knows? <laughs> they probably all work for the Polish government or mm. Elon Musk or whatever. And like, it's just, it's wild to think that like that relationship of hardware and software can both, the expectations like have an effect on what we play backwards, but also like can have a market effect and like a future facing relationship. The product's not even done. Mm -hmm. It can't even be sold on like, my on the ps4 on the platform that i'm you yeah. know or maybe it's back on sale now but well, <laughs> but like man yeah. it's wild yeah we can forgive you know the message because of the medium yeah and it, i mean i think that is it it is really it is the medium i think the medium is always shifting i mean even with quake like i right. think you know the original version that came out was very different than like the version from a few years later like when they kind of probably patched a lot of crap mm -hmm. and added more levels to it and, and refined it and put on other um, platforms. Yep. Like even, I mean, remember Doom, Doom, like playing kind of like the one on like Sega 32X. Like, who, like Doom 64. Like, yeah, who's like imagining playing it? It was Quake 64, I think. Oh, right, maybe. Yeah, Quake yeah. 64, which, which was included yeah. in this uh, remaster. Mm, you can get the yeah. Quake 64 patch for free. If you really like are a, dying for that 64 yeah, for experience. Yeah, experience. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think they added one level, and yeah. it was a different game. It yeah. was a different game. Yeah. From, it, a, from a feel perspective. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I think that is so indicative of, like, of, of the game, and I think why the remaster works, because it's like, if it was a game that was more stuck to a particular object, like, and I feel like id games rarely are, mm. because they travel through the years with us, and like, they, they show up on, like, all kinds of devices because they're so such lasting classics. Yeah, I think like it's, it's interesting to think about the fact that like the way one person experienced Quake is super different than the way somebody else experienced Absolutely. Quake. Absolutely. Like even like me thinking about it, um, and it was so tied to hardware. Like when I um, played it the first time, I was visiting my friend Aram, who lives um, he lived in the Upper West Side at the time, so I'd like kind of trek down after school, and he had a nice computer he had like a mac tower i forget what it was but it was like oh, i remember it was like those. before they like when when everyone had like the squat versions and then he had a tower and you're like oh a tower this inches is, more yeah power. so much power it's just vertically <laughs> you can tell that it's powerful because it's the height and you can tell we're yeah. from new york because height yeah it's huge in the sky <laughs> look at you ambitious <laughs> um and it was I could I only could really play it on my machine because I remember my machine kind of tapping out at like Dark Forces, <laughs> uh, which <laughs> yeah, was still like two D, but yeah. I was starting to like use some three D elements. But then like my machine was like, yeah, eh, 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 like you know, framing forward like through the levels, it was not doable. So even like experiencing it through that lens was, which was like, this is the new shit. This yeah. is the future. And then like you know, there's always I think that really, like it's all about. Um, context and and, um, and atmosphere like like and it's how games are this interesting thing where um, you know there's they're so li they so live in the domain of nostalgia because mm -hmm. like how we experienced them growing up like influ like was is so in impactful um, into like how we actually remember them and what they are in our minds so like you know like playing it now is never going to be the same like I was thinking too when you were saying um, about feeling like it was easy, like uh, like going back and playing like I remember going back and playing the Simpsons arcades and like the X Men arcades, which were just like dominated me. Yeah, they dominated us all when yeah. we played them growing up. And now you're just like, oh, it's not that bad, you know. 
Like, I mean, granted, you have unlimited lives. <laughs> yeah, but are you playing it at 10 years old in a public arcade where you're not. literally going to be shamed by a person whose quarter is sitting in front of your field of yeah. view, pressed to the bottom crease of that screen, uh-huh. and you know that when you die, you're going to have to go to the back of the line? There was more tension, is what I'm saying. Plus, if a you were... A lot more tension. If you were... What, if I, what was it? Uh, the Chinatown Arcade. Yeah. Um, it was called China. I think it was called China yeah. Arcade. Yeah. You could, like... I mean, you your rep was on the line. Your yeah, rep was on the line. you're being observed. Yeah. You're under the gun. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and that makes a lot of sense to me. Clay's not like that, but I think it's, like... Not necessarily, but I think it is, like, this case of, like... It is, uh, yeah, a product of its medium, a product of its... Um, of its experience, of, of who experiences it. Yeah, I mean, you had essentially, and when you say product of its medium, I'll put a little more history mm-hmm. just in our, our listeners' ear. Like, coming off the success of Doom 2, you know, id Software had a platform within the medium. They were like considered to be for a, a subset of gamers and a growing subset of gamers, like the top developer in the world, you know? And they followed up with. Quake and what's funny is I you know in preparation for the episode I went back and like watched a whole bunch of like history of the making of Quake. What's hilarious is like when I played that game in the remaster like in prep for the episode, it stunk of quality and cohesion. Mm-hmm. Like it really felt like I was being dropped into like a fully realized world, and it was and with very little like narrative oversight or introduction, I was Zero. just like in it, you know. Yeah, yeah. And those like weird chapters at the end of it, like paragraphs that mm-hmm. would like slowly type themselves on screen it felt so unified and then i watched the biographies of the making of the game and it was like completely the opposite yeah. the development of the game was like it had four level designers like game design level designers and they each got like an episode <laughs> and they came back with shit that was so stylistically different one mm-hmm. was like knights the other one was like cosmic horror <laughs> the other one was like space marines again yeah the other one was like I have no idea, man. It's just like kind of a little bit of everything. Yeah, he was and they were like, "Cool, else. I guess we're gonna need some portals to like bridge these doors to like, uh, these worlds together." And I guess like Shubnigaroth or whatever, like the big bad, the like cosmic horror big boss is like yeah. Lord of all domains. She's a big bad, you know. Yeah. And I, what was amazing was being like these were just like you know, 20, 30 year old people like hopped up on money and success. Mm-hmm. And like other substances, yeah, a lot of <laughs> other substances, booze, it was Texas, maybe cocaine if they were fancy cowboys. And like beating each other up in bars and like listening to Nine Inch Nails, like the product placement that was on the, the crate of nails in the game has the Nine Inch Nails band logo yeah. on it. Inspiration on its sleeve, you know? Yeah, literally. exactly. And it's just like, we like, like hard metal, pop hard metal, like not even like complicated... Skinny Puppy was doing its thing at this time, and they were like, no, we just kind of like Nine Inch Nails. You're like, all right, mm-hmm. friends. And that, it was it was like a pop metal record, but it feels so good because I think you're handing the game design to game designers. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, they were at the top of their market. Yes, this was id's version of a sloppy, ununified product to them, but to the emerging game player, it was such a pivotal move. It was just such a, I don't know, it just feels... More unified than a lot of the crap that I played. I'm sounding so old right now. I'm just going to stop. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> it's like, I literally cannot believe I'm saying this. Not. Nah, it just feels really good to play. <laughs> yeah. I forget that at that age, I was still learning what strafing meant. Mm-hmm. And that, like, I was reading game magazines that was, like, strafing techniques. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, this Press was left a, or right. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, also, like, yeah. what does that do to your... Mm-hmm. to your perceived 
body in a three-dimensional space? How does yeah. that change your relationship with an enemy that is no longer, as you were saying in Dark Forces, like eight two-dimensional images mm-hmm. stitched mm-hmm. together that break when you hit certain angles? That's and it's true. like, no, you're you're like rounding around demon missile fire or mm-hmm. like space marine missile fire because we didn't actually have an art director. We yeah. just had a whole bunch of people. Well, I mean, that was the thing. It's like orbiting, which is like something that you mm. do in film like when you understand like a spatial layout. And I think previous to that, it was alien to the game because the game was so much about uh, facing forward, facing two directions. Like yeah. this is now you could look up, you could look down, you can like really unlimited like angles. I mean, it must have felt really revolutionary. Oh my gosh. And I, I, I will say that after playing through the main campaign, the fully the first of the additional DLC campaigns like mm-hmm. Armagon or whatever, and then halfway through the Machine Games additional thing that dropped with the package, uh-huh. I realized now that when you bring the Quake engine, you know, singing into a current hardware set, what you essentially have is a tech demo for Doom 2016. Mm-hmm. What, mm. they, what it did with the Doom franchise, the more popular of the two, is they brought that single player experience and the language of playing Doom into a Quake modality. They yep. added the like jump to Doom. They yep. added the movement speed to, to Doom that Quake 1 had since 1996 on a good PC. Yeah. And like I'm playing Quake on my Switch and I'm like, oh, I don't need to down read like download like the Doom 2016 mm-hmm. downgrade port to Switch because I'm playing a better version of it here and yeah. on this on on Quake. Mm-hmm. And it's wild to think that like that kind of cross pollination of like those two franchises, Doom and Quake, like spinning off. They're bringing Quake back now and focusing it on on multiplayer because that's I think what the market told them. Quake was good for, mm-hmm. but the single player Quake experience, I think, was reborn as Doom 2016 mm-hmm. and Doom, whatever, Eternal, the one that well, I haven't played it yet, but mm-hmm. I, really, I want I want to. No, I absolutely agree. I mean, having played both of the new Dooms, like, yeah, I, I think. Quakeified Doom. It, you're like, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is the, this is what they did. This feels like I'm playing Doom. Yeah. Um, because it has that speed and that dynamism that, um, is is the same like just like the um i think like the fact that your character is just so fast and can jump everywhere and um is constantly getting the face of enemies like uh like using the double shotgun just yes. like th- these are the same weapons like the one in doom it, like this is what you do you run up to the face of the dude and you blast both barrels. as close as you can yeah, and you fly back damage. and yep. then, you know you kind of throw your grenades everywhere you shoot your rockets like yeah and then the the verticality of it too. Oh, like, the verticality of it. Yes. Because it does have a ton of verticality and like games at the time really like were just like you can't see above or below because like that was not um, that wouldn't work in the engine. Exactly. So like now you can have like an engine where you can climb up cliff faces and shoot guys like that are below you yeah. and like kind of um, easily you know like tra- traverse all these different um, intersecting planes. So I think um, it is interesting to see just like how much of a strike in like a lightning in the bottle kind of vibe it felt like because you're right like reading about the the background of it it just seems like a total nightmare with oh clash gosh. not only different people working on it but also clashing ideologies like john romero wanting it to be like a sword fighting game. yes oh my god the carmack uh romero yeah yeah sort of duel at the middle of it yeah yeah i mean like we like literally didn't want it to be different games and romero had to be kind of like press ganged into finishing it yes 
Finally, he went on, you know, to make Daikatana, which was a, a, a pan, which I, I never ended up playing. To, yeah, to... And which was a game he wanted to play or wanted to make. And then he mentioned he, he admitted that even though he, it was not a success, it was way more fun to make. And that's really interesting to think about where you're just like, you know, uh, as much as we're like touting this game as being just like so awesome and revolutionary like i would not want to be romero working on it no like, because i've been in those kinds of jobs and i know you've been oh, in those kinds God. of jobs yes sir uh, <laughs> and like you know it's there's this element of just like the final product not being worth the struggle the struggle is not worth it sometimes <laughs> for every n plus i have a freddy fish <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and Freddy Fish was not that bad. All you Atari heads out there. Oh, okay. <laughs> just kidding. I'm just kidding. Yeah, yeah. It, and really, like when we think about the clash of like Carmack and Romero, we're like going back to this like it's not just the nucleus of the first person shooter. Like for me, like the very same thing that turned me off from playing Quake in '96 because it became so popular as a multiplayer shooter was just this like toxic kind of environment that it created, and like. Hey, Yusuf, we were on the football team together, man. That's right. And, and and I really, I connected with you so deeply because you were someone who was so real with me, like about how I remember being able to confide in you, unlike I could confide in any of the other like locker room dudes, mm -hmm. because I was like not happy yeah. with the culture, mm -hmm. but I wanted to be there to have the experience. Mm. I wanted to like play the game of football. Mm. I also wanted to play the game of like having, like being on a football team. Yeah. Because I wanted those friends. Yeah. But when I learned what came with it, I got very uncomfortable and I left the team. I quit yeah. the team mm -hmm. halfway through a season. And hilariously, my first PE back to like, my first day back to PE, because if you weren't on a team at Fieldston, you had to go back to doing gym class. Mm -hmm. First, PE back, I played kickball and broke my ankle. <laughs> Dog, after the after the effing How could I forget that? football team. <laughs> after it was the like pain, the ultimate yeah. cosmic anyway, but not to get lost. What I'm saying <laughs> is this I couldn't I couldn't get down with that competitive culture. Yeah. It just produced too many shitty behaviors from the dudes that I wanted to hang out with, mm. basically. Mm -hmm. Right? And from myself, because I was very capable of like mirroring the behaviors that I wanted like the people that I wanted to hang out with I like kind of became them mm -hmm. and they were shitty people and I'm not saying that's a let off of any beha bad behaviors I have done but what I mean to say is like that culture is also and we know this as people who work in write about talk about games that culture is a problem for the games industry and it was right there in 1996 in that studio in Texas and unfortunately like it succeeded mm -hmm. a lot. It made a lot of money. It made a lot of friends. And it, it, yeah, it's been pushing the language of video games forward and the culture of video games, unfortunately, forward. And there's a lot of great work being done now outside of that system. But, like, who is Carmack now, right? Think about how far games have come, mm -hmm. right? Carmack from studio you know lead at id in texas whatever to now like essentially consulting czar of virtual reality at facebook at mm. oculus mm. facebook yes like it's that it's that it's unfortunately that shit has got the whole culture of digital pregnant mm. and this is the baby you mm -hmm. know 
tethered by your fucking eyeballs into this like economy and this culture and it's produced some really bad actors hmm. um not, not least the founder of oculus not least the founder <laughs> of oculus yeah, yeah. what a lucky tyler lucky palmer, Fer- lucky, palmer yeah. whatever forever flying on the times magazine cover <laughs> barefoot in the beach barefoot in the beach forever yeah. that fucking asshole maybe. yeah no it's forever really... have his name besmirched by history it, I mean, it's it's games, it's tech, which is I think an offshoot of games. All those guys grew up kind of making games yeah. or working on games. Um, that feel that libertarian. Yes. Like, oh my God, just, sovereign bullshit. Or if at at the worst, libertarian, the best neoliberal. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah no. <laughs> straight know, up. Like, uh, straight up. Like white dude, ambitious, um, but couching it within his. Like, I'm not hurting anybody. Within his technical ability. Yeah, like you know, I'm I'm opening doors. I'm tearing down barriers. Yeah. Like it's absolutely. Um, it starts in the 90s. It starts with these games like Quick, these companies like id. Um, because it, it, you're right, it, those are what succeeded. It, and, and that culture is what supported it. it. It's all well and good for these companies to come out now and say that they are, want inclusive cultures and they want um, you know, healthy workplaces, et cetera, et cetera. God, but, show us any evidence. Yeah, but they show know us the work. that what works for them is not that. And they're not going to change what keeps the money flowing and what, yeah. what works for them. And they, they, they don't have any pressure to change. No, I mean, it's like put yeah. ourselves in context of time. What is it? Activision, whoever that's about, yeah, yeah, about to pay off a state government, essentially mm-hmm. pay off a state government for, you know, billions or millions or billions? Millions. Millions in damages, yeah. which is hilarious when you think about putting a price tag on that much trauma, that much sexual yeah. assault and abuse, that much like willful and designed destruction and like suppression of people Mm -hmm. to create product and culture for not for like people who came into it basically for passion yeah like i mean a lot of people who came up through fucking qa dude and that is not a fun job yeah shit is nice and that's a parallel of it i think the modern it is activision or blizzard rather oh yeah it's blizzard Uh, because like blizzard made these canonic PC games that yeah. really um, um, drove, like, kind of like drove a culture, drove the culture of PC gaming in the way that it did. So you kind of see um, uh, some of the sins of the father, and the sins oh, yeah. of the child. Yeah, you know, and it's all—it's all look. Not a—I'm not making a moral connection here, but I am making a market connection here. You know, Blizzard, World of Warcraft. You know, you were talking earlier about what happens to that legacy content mm-hmm. that you don't own but you experience that. 1.3 patch mission that gets patched out like <laughs> whenever the destiny ship mm-hmm. needs the nostalgic cash influx yeah and they world of warcraft warcraft classic that shit and you're like allowed to play those old missions again <laughs> call me up yeah i'll be, I'll be waiting i'll You'll be, be like, laughing oh, on the other side i guess i'll play destiny now yeah. 10 years later yes. like whatever it was all part of my plan later. yeah yeah it'll be on our podcast where we're like literally in the same old folks home <laughs> Yeah. Together. And they're like, keep it down. Use yeah, it. I down. finally waited my entire life <laughs> I and I can finally Destiny play Destiny as it was meant to be experienced. <laughs> 60 years later. 5,000 <laughs> FPS. It's amazing. It goes directly into my cerebral cortex. I turn on the console, blast my my 
whole AV like <laughs> system, I die of a heart attack. <laughs> That's how you want to go. <laughs> yeah, hopped up completely on some future drug. Oh yeah, playing your favorite video yeah, game yeah. of all time. It's the Black Mirror episode meant to, like waiting to happen. I can say this because my <laughs> wife will literally never listen to this podcast. It's yeah. not dying comfortably <laughs> and safely with her on some rosy beach. It's doing future heroin, <laughs> Death Loop Twenty Seven, and Destiny Two re remastered. Yeah, this is the future that this we see. <laughs> That's yeah, it, man. We paid our admission fee. We're Americans. We, we know what we're doing. <laughs> we might as well play... We might as well enjoy ourselves. Yes, in, in exactly. The, in the apocalypse. Yeah. But, yeah, I know, like, um, speaking of this, like, awful culture that spawned these games, uh, I don't know if you wanted to get into, like, talking about your connection to it, like, your personal yeah, connection. Yeah, I had... You have one. I had some unfortunate... Yeah, I haven't really... I haven't, I haven't told this story and then bringing and playing quake and doing the research into quake like i was like it's information that i've always had in my mind mm -hmm. like in my brain <laughs> but i've never connected until i played the remaster which is uh so i've i've worked in the video games industry and worked around the video games industry and i came into atari uh just as this like legendary creative director had just sort of left atari um and the name of that creative director was paul steed and Paul Steed um, was also kind of the one of the founding fathers of uh, 3D graphics and was uh, an employee at id, was an artist before they had a credit, a title for 3D artist. In fact, Paul Steed was the like, by many regarded to be the, sort of the godfather of that, of like rendering 3D models in engine and making them performant and look good for the time. So artist on Quake, Quake 2, has a, and, and Paul Steed, if you know anything about games history, is like surrounded with infamy. Um, and I'm not, you know, I've like thought about how I want to tell this story because I am one who both can understand the value of like respecting the like sanctity or whatever of the dead, but then I'm like, I'm an atheist also and like fuck the dead. I can see both sides where I'm like, if some shit that's happened, it's a part of the history. Yeah. So I want to like put a lot of respect filters out there for like a person who I know personally and worked with personally and like know that was struggling with issues that were bigger than him. Like from substance abuse, which I too struggle with, to like other stuff that I can't put really a name to, but played out in his behavior. So I like, I want to send a lot of like peace out to the universe of being like, I'm not... What I'm about to say is, like, as personal to Paul as I experienced it and also, like, want to just hold a lot of space for, like, not all people who have these kinds of issues are like Paul. And Paul was a very specific fucking asshole. So basically, like, yeah. with respect to anybody who might hear this who loved Paul, um, I had a very different experience. I basically was working at an uh, not Atari. I was working at a different company. Um, on a games project that was led by Paul and myself. We were co-leads on this project. Uh, I showed up way better to the client and I had different new ideas for game design. And Paul was a better game designer than I am and was a way more experienced game executive than I will ever be. So we co-led this project. Paul pissed off all the clients almost immediately, almost got the project canceled. So it was like backseat driving and was not allowed to go to meetings with the client. And I'm like working on this project as his intermediary. And we had very different ideas of what this what this game would be about. And I learned firsthand the type of culture that a game like Quake was made in. Mm -hmm. Because even if the people that have worked with 
people like that before can like give you warnings about like what you're about to experience. I just want to hold a lot of space for like, I am like a white male. So like I had every protection going in and I had every bit of, bit of information going in. And I'll tell you that I was put into situations that I was physically threatened, constantly psychologically broken down and like abused for lack of a better word. And led to some like pretty crazy th things that like you would see in like a like a sitcom or a rom com or a drum drum, you know. Like mm -hmm. I had to like leave the office and call my then girlfriend, now wife. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I had to call my partner yeah. Jess and be like, "I need you right now. Something is wrong. I don't know what. I don't know how I'm going to do this." Mm -hmm. And like ran down Park Avenue South towards her yoga studio where she was luckily in between classes mm -hmm. to essentially collapse in her arms because mm -hmm. I thought I was about to get physically hurt and mm. also was being dressed down in such surgical <laughs> and deeply affecting words that I, I, I don't, it's always been traumatic. And mm. I honestly began the separation from the industry of, of working on games mm -hmm. um, because of that experience. I never wanted to put my, my, body and my my mind and there's no separation between those things i never wanted to put myself in a situation like that again yeah uh, that's fair and it was wild it was terrible. wild to play quake and love mm -hmm. it and be like this is a good game this is a really good game i never played it fully as a kid sure and wow i met someone who like touched it formed it made it and in its brutal uncompromising violence and its aesthetic and it's a it's a studio art so it's not just paul steed's game but like there were his fingerprints yeah. on that shit. Mm -hmm. He's inseparable from it. Yeah, he's a, he's, he's a co-creator of it, mm -hmm. of that experience, of that authored aesthetic mm -hmm. that I spent joyful hours in mm -hmm. preparing for this episode. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's really interesting how it boils down to the, the creator and his creation. Like, uh, even the worst creators, we still think it still makes something that is yeah. is awesome. And it's forever this conflict between um wanting to not wanting to reward that behavior essentially not wanting to create a society where that behavior is acceptable but also growing up to what we have and um, being exposed to what we have and 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 liking what we do like you know just growing up seeing watching art and loving art that was made by our horrible people yeah and <laughs> like, can, there's a line that is yeah. weirdly connected to this very the day before this very recording mm -hmm. to the release of Quake. Mm. One of the top top movies of 1996 was mm. Space Jam. Mm. And the number one song of that single was I Believe I Can Fly. Is that in and, the remake, by the way? <laughs> uh, yeah. And R. Kelly was just found guilty on all counts. Yes. You know? Yeah. It's like these wild moments where like the market-driven like commodification of nostalgia mm -hmm. also serves as these weird like time marks in our especially as like western american consumer culture like mm. from space jam to space jam from quake to quake remastered a moral story is at play where we have better articulated tools of like an emotional vocabulary as a society to call mm. the games industry out for decades of abuse yeah to call our artists out for decades of abuse mm -hmm. and i think r kelly's way too fresh and way too in context horrifying to like still like his the connection of his musical content to his crimes like is far too contextually linked to like enjoy r kelly music yeah. ever again if definitely not yet mm -hmm. but it's like yeah playing quake again at this remove 
I mean, it's not a single auteur, so the Paul Steed is not, it's not all Paul Steed's game. Yeah. I can still enjoy it. But it just unlocked a whole lot of experiences. Yeah, this personal. since, yeah. Because you have a personal connection to, yeah, to it's the, its creation. The people who created it. Yeah, and the, and the process that creates it. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's like, um, yeah, I think the fact that, I think it's, you know, the reason this stuff continues is that it's so easy to separate. Yes. It's so easy to actually like overlook the process that makes these things. Um, like and and despite the fact that we that we both have gone through processes to various extents that are eerily sim- similar, you know, yeah. like we kind of we like anybody who's worked Dude. long enough in this horrible in capitalist yeah. system that we exist in understands like like the kind of people who like who run who run it the people like the types of bosses who create work like this um and it's just really um yeah it's like a a conflicting difficult thought to hold in your head because we at the same time as i think it really is unique for especially for people our age because um we grew up way before like you know in an era like where there was no political correctness as a term, I mean, and, and until it became like a reactionary term. And a weapon, yeah. Against, a weapon. Yeah, exactly. Um, like, there was no, like, the people who were not, like, white dudes were not getting heard. And no. the media that we were consuming was not for us. And we were kind of glomming onto it, but we were definitely, like, um, uh, we were, I think, absorbing and being conditioned by stuff that was of a culture that is kind of like at this point seen as ghastly and seen as, 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 um, uh, really backward and and kind of conservative. So like now in the middle of this nostalgia train and like going, you know, looking back on the games that shaped us, it's really interesting to live in this modern setting. Um, uh, where this kind of media, like where, where Space Jam could not have the R. Kelly song on it. Exactly. Um, or like the stuff coming out could not like um, have these, like um, uh, could not as similar, like show that like could not delve into this like culture as much. Exactly. But at the same time, the culture still existing. Like, you know, it's, we have, have Activision getting mm-hmm. in the news for it. Um, but it's like, I think that's because like of all... Because it's like a legacy. Because we're absorbing, like, yeah. because we're like, like we're still everybody who's like making games now. Like the people who are like in charge of this shit are our age, are people who like grew up like yeah with the or with the horrible experiences to prove it. <laughs> yeah, like they like and they internalized them. Yeah, we have a, we have a vocabulary now. Yeah, so it's like it's almost like is the next generation gonna, like the fact that it's like so like kind of uh, yeah. like inherited. Yeah, um, you know, I think about this a lot as a father. It's like, what yeah. are you passing on? What what gets reiterated and what gets remixed or what yeah. gets rejected, right? Mm. To keep it in alliterative R words. Like, yeah. I, I think that's, you know, especially as a father of twins, it's like you can see that, like, nature has a lot to do mm. with it. Nur- you can nurture the kids the same exact way, but they'll kind of diverge and have their own nascent personalities. And, yeah. like... There's a push and pull between nature and nurture, but I think, yeah, like it's hard to predict what the next generation will do because there have been elements of generations that reject the learnings of the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's those that enhance them. Uh, and there's, you know, there's those that just kind of carry them on. It's like, what kind of consumer are you, you know? Yeah. If you're, if you're media literate, we've like kind of figured out that like some section of the population has figured out that like 
not all news is actually news mm -hmm. and we've developed tools of observation and like critical thinking around what we see on screens mm -hmm. some people haven't they trust what's on the screen the screens have gotten smaller they fit in your pocket and they're self-guided experiences so everything is true that you think but i think we you know in the games industry comparable yeah there's been generations of abuse but then there's also been a language that is formed and there's been a connection of context between the experiences we're having in this impassioned industry. Mm. Oh, and labor laws in California that might protect me from like being abused in certain ways. <laughs> I can connect these concepts. I'm a worker. I'm not just in a dream job making yeah. like Keebler cookies, yeah. video games. Like yeah. that's how it was sold to me. I walked out of my job interview at Atari and I called my mom. Mm -hmm. And I was like, mom, I'm gonna do what I want. Like yeah. this is a dream for me. Mm -hmm. Yo, that job was not a dream. <laughs> Yo, that job was horrifying at times. Yeah. Yo, I compromised my personal ethics at times, my personal yeah. morals at times. Like I acted in terrible ways and I made decisions that minimized other people. Like as a part of the culture I was trying to be a part of, I couldn't see it as mm -hmm. I'm a laborer. I couldn't see it as this is a job just like any other. And how do, like, how can I protect myself? But I think now we're in a place where, especially because video games in a post-2008, you know, post-recession world, they are recession-proof objects of craft and art. They make money. They are a part of this bigger system that we're all living in. This, like, big economic organization of our time, you know? So, yeah, yeah it's no, bigger now. Yeah, I think that's true. But yeah, I, I do have some hope seeing um, yeah. unionization kind yes. of become oh my God, unionizing uh, now. a talking point. Like there's something that everyone is kind of like, especially like young people in the younger generations are really like asking for full full throatedly. Um, and so I'm I think that is a change. And you're right. I think it's like looking at the job as labor versus um, looking at it as an aspirational thing, uh, an yeah. identity an or identity, something that you right. can kind of uh, put on your uh, header image of, of like, you know, this is who I am. This is how I, this is why I matter. This is why I have value. Like, you know, people are understanding that their value comes outside of work. And yeah. I think that is, and in some ways you look at John Romero and he really, he already had that. And yeah. like, he understood, like, I mean, he had ambition obviously. And, and like, he has always had that, um, that uh, he's always like been in the center of games. But I think he's one side of the culture that you're like, okay, you know, I respect this dude. Like. Like he like had to eat shit for a bit, but then he went on and like did what he wanted to do. And like he shit. Yeah. <laughs> he got to be king shit. Fuck mountain. No, I think you're right though. I think you're right. Like he got, ended up making like, sure. He like, he didn't like have a Hollywood success story, but like he's happy. That's fine. Yeah. Fuck the Hollywood. I don't want to be great at anything. Exactly. It's like... I don't want to be great at, at what, anything. At what cost? Like, that's what we, we all kind of learn. <laughs> that's what we all have to learn once yeah. the dream becomes a nightmare. Yeah. The being luxury like, of you know, aiming for the middle. The, like, yeah. privilege. The true privilege mm -hmm. of aiming. I mean, I'm saying this with, like, full transparency of, like, all the goodness that has been delivered upon me in my mm -hmm. life. Like, the stuff that I didn't deserve, the stuff that I did deserve, right? Like, with all my privilege to say, aiming for that middle space, mm -hmm. you know? You're yeah. not hurting. You're, you're hurting as few people as possible. Mm -hmm. You're gaining as middle as possible. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you're not trying to take it all. You're just trying to cobble together a good experience. Yeah. Good enough. Yeah. And I think um, that is the best lesson I could take away from Quake. Holy shit. So, we, <laughs> so is, our, is our rating system now this like existential? So Quake Remaster. <laughs> 
good enough life. <laughs> yes. Have that game. Great game. Good enough life. Good enough. <laughs> On a game scale, good. World of Warcraft. Great. Yeah. Polished gameplay after day. Horrible life. Yeah. Not, just the worst yeah, just life. The real dregs of humanity. Oh <laughs> There's so many games you could drag through yeah. weird existential. It's like the, like the Jean-Paul Sartre of like a uh, video game po- podcast. Yeah, it's like really questioning the meaning <laughs> of these games. We almost became a labor podcast. This is great. I'm I'm for it, dude. Collectivize. Like maybe I won't be an official lab- labor podcast, but I'll always be an ally of the I'm labor down, podcast. I'm down, dude. I'm so <laughs> down. Oh my god. Video game hour plus like socialism and like working working like working groups basically. Yes. Yes. I'm so down. I'm so down. We found a new yeah. format. We're contact getting... us. Contact yeah. your representatives. Slide into our DMs. <laughs> <laughs> are we playing Eastward? Are we playing Deathloop? Or are we playing Socialism? Are we <laughs> playing the specter of haunting Europe? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We end up playing like Twilight Struggle. We get into like these deep, deep yeah. Command games. and Conquer yeah. for let's let's take them, let's take them on. <laughs> All right. So next episode, I'm Tim Curry. Book Club. <laughs> That'll be for my fake Russian accent. I think we lost. The episode. You said this has been a lot of fun, dude. Yeah, likewise. I can't this wait. This is a good combo. Our next uh, episode. Yeah. Thanks for listening, man. I've I've never shared. I've actually never shared that story with anybody. The the Paul Steed story. Well, I appreciate you sharing it with me. Thanks, man. and with our audience. I think it was it's worth it. Awesome, man. So uh, next till next time, yeah. audience. Roughly about a monthish. We yeah, can aim we'll for. See. Yeah. Let's uh, figure it out. We'll see you next time on the video game hour. Yep. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>